Welcome, gamers, to Basement Arcade Pause Main, the show where we hit pause, sit back, and just chill. I am your host, Ben Magnet, and today on the show, I have an extraordinary person who they are not only a video game content creator, they are also a retro video game collector, and they also have what I consider to be a dream job back as a child, a video game store employee. Please welcome to the show, Eli, a.k.a. Norman Bates Jr. Eli, welcome to the show. How are you today? Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so honored to be here, and I'm great. I'm coming in hot after a shift at my job, <laughs> so I'm, I'm feeling good. Um, and yeah, I'm just really happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you for being on the show. So, Eli, we do have a set topic today, and I'm yes. really glad that you agreed to answer a complete total stranger, me, to mm -hmm. come on a random podcast. But before we get into that, if it's all right with you, I would like to know a little bit more about you. And with every new guest I have on the show, I always ask them the same question. How did you get into video games? Oh my gosh, what a funny and loaded question. So um, <laughs> video games were actually a big no-no in my house. Um, oh, I, so oh, me and my siblings were homeschooled. Uh -huh. um, we're very Catholic. I'm still practicing. But, you know, my childhood and my, my siblings' childhood was kind of the epitome of, like, Pokemon cards are Satan. Video games are bad for you. So there was like a lot. And so God bless my mother. She didn't mm -hmm. believe all of that. But because all of her friends did, it was a lot uh, easier for her to not catch flack. And so she was like, you guys are not doing this. Uh, but funny enough, our childhood console was a Sega Dreamcast. Nobody can remember how they got it. I think that the God's honest truth is my mom saw on clearance and was like, you know what? They can have that and probably bought it for us. So um, that was our first console. Um, I never realized how weird that was until I got older and people were like, the what? Um, but I was a Sega kid. Me too. We had, yeah, Sega is so good. Proud, proud Sega kid. I mean, I might be wearing yes. a Mario shirt right now, but um, <laughs> you can't really see, but there's essentially like a little yeah. shrine to Sonic the Hedgehog that's just off camera. As there should camera. be. Yes, that's as amazing. there should be. Um, yes, I'm happy I'm with a fellow Sega kid because I think there's not a lot of us out there. Um, but yeah, I had my Dreamcast. We had uh, Gauntlet Dark Legacy, or it might have just been Gauntlet Legends. I always get that in the PS2 title mixed up. Fur Fighters, Looney Tunes Space Racers, San Francisco Rush, Crazy Taxi. Um, we had one of the Sonic Adventure games. So we had the basics. Um, mm -hmm. When I was really younger, when I was really little, my brother would unplug a controller and give it to me and tell me I was the enemy, oh. um, which I think is a classic sibling move. But I really believed him, and I really thought I was doing a good job. Um, <laughs> so every time he died to an enemy, would you be like, I won. Face. Yeah, it would be like, I'm winning. So, and you know what? He was not always very good. So I felt like I won a lot. Wow. Um, oh my you know what i've heard a few people tell me that story and i'm sitting there going i've never done that to my little brother when my parents bought when they finally did buy us video games it yeah. was we had to extra beg them or extra convince them to buy a single player game they always wanted to get us two player games yeah. but they didn't realize they also need to buy a second controller <laughs> yeah very true very true the struggle is real we had a mm -hmm. lot of third-party controllers we didn't have a lot of first-party dreamcast stuff it oh, was always preach the it. party stuff oh, yeah preach it my preach it my yeah. my sibling in video games please my parents were like yeah you're gonna get the discount stuff and then after that like my brother got a ps2 and my cousins had a ps2 and we played a few games but 
you know, we weren't allowed to have a lot of games. And from there, I kind of switched to PC gaming because I played Knights of the Old Republic. Um, that's the first video game I ever beat. That's what I consider my first adult video game. It's still one of my favorite games. Um, I also, I love mystery point and clicks. My sister and I played a lot of Nancy Drew games. They're amazing. And then I got introduced to The Sims. And I've sunk a lot of money into The Sims, and I'm still a <laughs> hardcore Sims player to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as I turned 11, I was like, I want my own laptop. I want to be able to game. I want all of these things. And I mowed lawns for one summer, and I saved up to buy myself the crappiest laptop in the world. Um, and from there, I was like, I begged my brother to teach me emulation. And that's actually kind of how I ended up finding Silent Hill. Um, I share the story, but if you guys, for, for context, I'm a huge Silent Hill fan. I'm a nut. I should probably be locked up for how much I love Silent Hill. Um, <laughs> but I like Googled scariest games and Silent Hill spoke to me and I played it on my crappy laptop and from there it was history. But that's kind of like my rough, rough start with video games, to be honest. It, it was not glamorous. It was uh, very shoehorned in and very much like you get 30 minutes a day. And if you watch your siblings play it, that's your 30 minutes. Whoa. Even if you watch them play? Yeah. I'm actually now very happy my parents gave me an hour. And there you watch, go. And watching our sibling and what, because it was just my brother and I growing up. Mm-hmm. And for us, it was an hour each. And we had to go set the time. My parents were like, set the timer first. We had one of those wind on. up timers. I don't know if you had one. You like we, wound it to a we certain didn't wind hour. It, we didn't wind it up. We had we had to go to the stove because our stove had an automatic mm. or it didn't have an automatic timer, but we set a timer on the stove. Yeah. And the thing is, we had to set the timer first, then go We'd turn like the game. We'd sprint back and be like, I got to get to the game. Or be like, no, no, no. The first two minutes were me setting it up, I swear. <laughs> or it's like we actually had to convince our parents to – because there was one time we were playing Crash Bandicoot 3. And mm-hmm. that game, for some – like you could skip the opening cutscene. But for mm-hmm. some reason, whenever we would push the like the start button, it wasn't mm-hmm. skipping the cutscene. When we got to like the first opening menu, it says press start. Yeah. It worked. But getting to that cutscene – would not go through so we're just oh, like no and that was like eating up five minutes so we had to like convince our parents to let's start yeah. our timer when we actually hit start on the game that's a tough one that's a yeah. tough one you know the joys of growing up in the 90s in elementary school when you Absolutely. finally get video games and then eventually like certain days our parents forget like forego or more went to the time. Yeah, it was like, you know, sick days or maybe a special occasion or they wanted us out of their hair. <laughs> it was mostly like weekend summer vacation. They didn't let yeah. us do the timer, but sick days, my mom was very much, if you're, if you're well enough to play video games, you're well enough to go to school. Yeah. My mom had some of that mentality, which is funny because we were homeschooled as kids. Uh-huh. So I don't really know how we, went through that one because it's like <laughs> you're a teacher too and i, I don't it's know you're a mom teacher it's weird it's like that uh meme where the person's doing all the math in their head and they're just like wait yeah. a minute it's like absolutely you hear the x-files theme play off in the yeah, distance it's like, go it's like but uh this is my school and it's also yeah old. like what's happening what am i doing yeah but one thing i must say i i never obviously i've never met your your parents but mm-hmm. i love your mom for being supportive even though they, she sounds like she wasn't a hundred percent supportive. What I mean is oh. like she didn't think that Pokemon was the devil or Satan. Or no, anything. that's she's that's kind of funny. Like you know, at this point, she's like, you know, she's she laughs at a lot of the stuff that happened, mm-hmm. but she was just like, it's too much of a headache to figure this out. Like just go outside and do something <laughs> normal. 
<laughs> just to t- touch grass. Yeah, literally. Like, I don't know. Just go do something more. Which, granted, we had a great childhood otherwise. Mm-hmm. And compared to other people, you know, we were pretty lucky. Yeah, I, yeah, I 100% agree on that. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I definitely wasn't there because my childhood was, it wasn't more of Pokemon is evil. It was just don't play games too long. Go touch grass yeah. as well. It was yeah, like, yeah. you can like, play games. Outside. Yeah, it's like, oh, the sun went down. Okay, now you can come inside and play the games. Oh, the mm-hmm. sun up, go outside. There's grass. Go play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Also, I just kind of wish that the term touch grass was existed back then. It's just so funny to me. I know. It's it would have been very fitting. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. All right. So of course, there, like I said earlier, we do have a topic for the show. And mm-hmm. Well, one day, I don't know how exactly I found you on Twitter. I must have just been like scrolling one day and one of your tweets popped up. But it was a tweet and it was a video of one of your TikToks that actually hit me to my core. And it was when you were essentially explaining on why you were selling some high or higher end collect um, things in your collection. Because mm-hmm. both you and I, even though we both, I assume we both have full time jobs. Mm-hmm. There are times where us game collectors have to do what used to be the unthinkable and sell some stuff in our games to make ends meet in the past mm-hmm. few months me personally i've actually had to got to get i had to sell some games to help pay for bills to help get ready for a trip to mm-hmm. hawaii to do all sorts of things and i wanted to have you on and talk to you about that um because mm-hmm. of course every single person out there every game collector out there has different criteria for when they need to look at their collection do some of culling but i wanted to get mm-hmm. more insight into that so what when you need to sell a game, what do you have like a step-by-step process on what games you are willing to sell? And what are the rules for games that you are never going to get rid of, no matter how deep into debt you are in? So I, so it's interesting because I have a really good perspective on this for multiple reasons. One, I have my own perspective. And then two, working at a retro game store, I have the perspective mm-hmm. of a lot of people who have come into our store to sell things. And it's something mm-hmm. that I'm very, very passionate about. Um, so for me, um, as a lot of you don't know, I'm a medically complex person. That's the term that I use because at this point I have so many diagnoses that it's hard to just like read the laundry list of them. Um, But I am legally disabled. I don't Mm -hmm. qualify for disability in the state of Virginia, unfortunately. So I can't get any support there. Um, I know. And I live in- Actually, wait, hold up. I think that's West. East is that way. Yeah, we have to go there. Yeah, there we go. Um, And I also live in one of the most expensive places in the country. Not because I want to, but because I was born here, okay? Um, so there's a lot of times where bills come up. And for me, a lot of them are medical bills, even with insurance. Um, you know, it could be a few hundred dollars a month on top of my regular expenses. So, um, I am faced with this a lot. I'm more recently faced with it because I'm actually moving as well. And I'm trying to save up $5,000. So, um, I'll tell you exactly a game that I got rid of that a lot of people would probably be like, why would you do that? Um, I don't know how familiar you are with PlayStation 2 era horror games. What I'm getting there. And when I yeah. excuse me, when I say I'm getting there, um, like the first PlayStation 2 horror game, essentially the first horror game I ever played was Resident Evil 4. Mm-hmm. Um, like horror games, that's not really a genre that I'm really into. I mean, if you go to like that's the main picture. If you go into the main fake nerd podcast channel and look to the base, like the regular basement arcade let's play in every October, my co-hosts Ryan and Sparks, they love scaring the ever-loving crap out of me by having me play spooky games every October. So, yay. 
I'm here to add fuel to their fire if they ever need uh, suggestions. No offense uh, to you, but you know. Um, uh, let's let's so, just say that they're forcing me to do an entire run of Dead Space, and we're going to start inside baseball. We're going to start recording that very soon. I'm not looking forward to it. Good luck. Thank you. I believe in you if that's any consolation. That is. I appreciate that. Yes. Um, so in PlayStation 2 horror, there are a lot of like holy grails um, mm-hmm. and very expensive games. One of them is Kwan or Kuan. Um, it is a Japanese horror game that came out from 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 software, the people who made Dark Souls. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so they made a horror game. Um, I don't want to say not a lot of people know about it, because if you search one of the most expensive PS2 games, that game is there. Um, But it is something that people don't know about, and that game, I don't know, maybe worth between $600 and $800. Oh, wow. Um, It's very hard to get. It's one of the rarer titles, and I sold my copy. Um, Because I had traded towards it so part of it was because i had used a lot of trade credit towards it Mm -hmm. um i also didn't really like it um i played through all of it i didn't really care for it and when i had got it it was because it was more of an opportunity and less so because i really wanted it um so i knew that i wouldn't have a hard time parting with it and when i was going through my games i was just like yeah this game it wasn't the copy i played i borrowed a copy from a friend Uh, Mm -hmm. i didn't really like the game and i'm not going to stare at something that's worth 600 to eight hundred dollars um and not sell it um right. however a game that i have um i was gonna get up and get it but i'm really too lazy it's back there <laughs> it's is, somewhere over there it's also a rare game it's a ps2 horror game it's called rule of rose mm-hmm. um and that game is probably between 600 and 700 dollars again i don't know i'm not fully a price encyclopedia mm-hmm. that is a game i'll never get rid of um one of the scarier hospital stays that I had was last year um there was an infection they didn't know I had and it had gone septic and I was in the hospital for almost a week and it was a lot it was it was very traumatizing it was hard to come out of I went down to North Carolina for an appointment and that ended up in a hospital stay because it was like we need to get you in here and we need to take care of you um so when I got back from that um, my partner had a gift for me and he's like, what do you think it is? And I had no idea because it's like one of those things you'd never guess somebody would buy for you, but it is a game I have been wanting for forever. Mm-hmm. And when I opened it, like I was like shaking, I couldn't believe it. Um, so there's such a strong memory behind that. It's the copy that I played. It's one of my favorite games. It's one of the most unique horror experiences out there. Um, and, you know, even though, you know, that and Quan are pretty similar in price point, I can never get rid of it because I am so attached to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sentimentality, I think if you've like played and experienced a game, those are really big ones. Um, for me, it's not really about rarity. Um, it's about how much I really care about something because I've had a lot of rare stuff in my collection. Um, I've sold a lot of rare stuff. <laughs> like, you know, it, it comes and it's, it goes. Um, but I, I just, I'm very attached to the things that I own. I think another example of something that I have, I know a lot of people don't like video game grading. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not super pro video game grading, but at CGC for 40 bucks, 
you can get something validated, put in a UV protected case, and you don't have to spend a bunch of money on an acrylic case. So, you know, that's my cheap budget hack. <laughs> if you want to preserve <laughs> a game, you just send it and get it graded. But I have a sealed copy, a sealed first edition copy of Silent Hill 1. Ooh. And that is one of my pride and joys. And I'm sure that's worth a pretty penny. But it's just my baby. It's my favorite game. It's the game that I love. And to have something that is such a huge symbol of my love for gaming and for art and for so many things immortalized, I could never imagine parting ways with it. Yeah, Even like what, to me. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's the one game that could they could pry from your cold dead hands. Literally. Even the like that. It, is just as special to me as the open copy that I have that I have played. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I could never. I recently got rid of some of my Silent Hill stuff um, because in my collection, I like to have every single game and then every single port of every single game. But I recently sold the spare ports that I had because I was like, I'm not playing them and I need to get ready to move. And even though it was really hard, it was still one of those things where it's like, well, I still have the copies that I love. I still have the copies that I've all beat. At the end of the day, I'm going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's interesting that you mentioned sentimentality because I definitely went through that myself when I was selling games. Mm -hmm. But I actually did sell games that I was super sentimental with. But not mm -hmm. only did I sell them, I sold them knowing that I had other ways to play them as well. Mm -hmm. um, two games of my, that I used to own in my collection that I would just scream to the high heavens about how great these games are. And I'm still very mad at Capcom for not continuing them is Mega Man Legends. I had Mega oh, Man Legends. Oh, people love those games, yeah. I adore those games. I had mm -hmm. Mega Man Legends 1 and 2. I played both of them to ever-loving crap. And mm -hmm. I adored those games. And they were actually, for a good long while, the most expensive games in my entire collection. Really? And yeah. And for a while, I was like, I am never going to get rid of these games. But mm -hmm. then some things came up, um, like bills started knocking at the door. I had a really big vacation coming up ahead. And I was just kind of nervous because, like, how am I going to be able to do this? So I would look through some of these, some, you know, I would go through some games thinking I can sell them, mm -hmm. get some decent money. And every time, because I have an app on my phone called GameEye, which kind of gives you some price charting yeah. numbers for mm -hmm. how much games are. And every time I look through it, I always see Mega Man Legends 1 and 2. Like, Mega Man Legends was like $70 on price charting. And then Legends 2 was 100 something. And I'm like, that could really help a lot. Yeah. And when I finally did um, come to conclusion to sell those titles, it's because I have a, a modded PlayStation Vita that has those games mm -hmm. downloaded on ready to go. Yeah. And even just for extra security, I went and even bought the digital versions on my PlayStation three. Just oh, to make nice. Sure. And also Tron bond too. Cause I'm like, screw it. Oh, yeah. well. oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause I'm still waiting for Capcom to come out with a Mega Man legends legacy set. Yeah. Hurry up. I know. Come on. Capcom has so many good titles that they're just sitting on. I could rant about that oh, for me years. Too. Oh, I am right yeah. there with you. Um, thank God that they risked the Mega Man Bound Network games. Because actually, uh, yeah. even before I sold my Legends games, I rebought a copy of Mega Man 4 or Battle Network for Red Sun, which is a copy I had as a kid. Then mm -hmm. I went through like my, I don't need these video games anymore. Dumb yeah. days. Sold a bunch of games. Got back into video gaming. I'm like, man, I was an idiot. And yeah think, we all get... have that yeah and but because of the legacy collections like i don't need this physical copy anymore and even i had physical copies of advance wars one and two but because mm -hmm. the reboot camp came out for the switch which yeah. has a bunch of quality of life improvements i'm like you know what i can just 
save up and get that mm -hmm. get a complete package on a newer system that's ready to go and i don't as much as i keep my game boy advance in really good shape it's probably not gonna last forever mm -hmm. as hard as that might be and also there could be a chance that once again further down the line i might be able to purchase it again who knows i think that is so valid and i think that you know for some collectors they're like oh, like how could you do that but I mean, as long as you're playing and enjoying a game, however you decide to own that game is completely valid. Like, it's oh, your right. life and it's your collection. For me, I went through this this kick where I was like, I need to buy physical copies of every single game that I beat. And um, I, I have, like, 600 Steam games. So I beat a lot of games. <laughs> I haven't beat that many, but I still beat a lot of games. And I ended up with all these PS5 and PS4 games that I was never going to play. Because if I ever play them, I'm going to play them on PC still. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what's the point of me owning this? It's just stuff. It's not games I've, like, it's not the copies that I played. I'm not really going to reach for them when I go to play. Because I'm more of, like, my Steam Deck and my Switch when it comes to, like, consoles. Um... And I was just like, this is just stuff. And that's what, at the end of the day, as difficult as it is to swallow, it's mm -hmm. just stuff. Oh, like, yeah. you're not going to die getting rid of it. Obviously, again, there are still those holy grails that you have. But, like, anytime that I've really sat down and been like, I need to narrow down the collection. I have this bill to pay or I have to get ready for this or rents due. Uh, which I do try to be very fiscally responsible. I feel like I'm like making it sound like I'm just like out here, just like dropping fat stacks on a video game. Like it's not like that. Uh, I just want to let, let people know about that. But anytime I've had to sit down and think about that, it always starts off with, I can't get rid of any of this. I love all of this. Like I always told myself I would never get rid of any Silent Hill things ever. Um and then the other day I was like looking at everything and I was like, well, I could start off by just getting rid of, you know, the Wii one I have, which is Shattered Memories. Like, I hate the Wii. I don't want to ever play this on Wii, even though it's the best version of it. And then I was like, well, maybe I should get rid of the Xbox ports. Like I sold my Xbox, so I don't really need that. And then at that point it was like, I don't need my PSP versions either. Um, mm -hmm. Like I have a Vita that has them on there and is way better. The screen on the Vita is phenomenal yeah that um, old, i played the original final fantasy the psp port on my vita it's so, oh. i haven't played final fantasy but i can only imagine how stunning it is because that, the vita does not get enough appreciation for how good of a handheld it was that pixel art just the pixel art for the playstation portable port was so gorgeous i know the pixel remaster is out I, I have a yeah. fondness for classic Final Fantasy pixel art. There's a fondness there. Mm -hmm. I cosplay as the Black Mage when I go to Ren Fairs. Nice. But yeah, it's it's awesome. But at the same time, it's just like just looking at the more detailed sprite work on the PlayStation Portable. It's mm -hmm. like, why didn't Square just stick with this when they made the remasters? This is so much better. It's so much more charming. But again, I'll always give people props for trying mm -hmm. something new. Oh, but yeah. I am such a stickler for, you know, the original of okay. everything. Um, but yeah, so it's it, when going through it, it's just like you kind of end up, I feel like for me in this phase where it's like, it's just stuff. And for me, I was selling this stuff to start, you know, my savings for my move. And it was like, you know, it's really cool that these are tools and a gateway to help me do something that I've always dreamed of doing. And right. that these tools are helping me facilitate 
moving to a area that will be better for me, that will allow me to grow. And in the meantime, it's not like I'm throwing these away. Like right. somebody else is going to buy them. They're going to like them. They're going to have a good experience or even a bad experience, but at least they will have an experience with these games and they will continue to live on. And that's such an amazing legacy. Yeah, Eli, for the love of God, don't do what I did with my Dreamcast. Do I want to hear this? Oh, no, you didn't. You don't know the story. Um, okay, because of longtime listeners of the show, they know the story. They're probably groaning with like, ah, Nicolai Ding for when I tell the story to a new guest. Um, so TLDR, the laser broke on my Dreamcast. And this was like when digital gaming was just like becoming a thing. Like you could buy games digitally and they were re-releasing a lot of digital games. And my dumbass thought, oh, I could just buy these games digitally because I had Sonic Adventure 1 and 2. I had Toy Commander and a few other sports titles, Echo the Dolphin on the Dreamcast. So I went to a Goodwill and I tr- and I just donated them all. Yeah. Yeah, audio listeners, you can't see, but Eli just put their face in their hands on their face because it was a, yeah. That breaks my heart. I guess it breaks me now. I, if there was, do you know how many times if I could go back in time to a certain moment and stop myself from doing that? I mean, there's other things, but that is like one of the top things I would go back in time is like, hey, um, younger me, whatever you do, just get this repaired. Don't, don't donate it. Just I I am literally like I hear my childhood dreamcast in my closet crying. I like I, it is just sobbing in there. I weep too. I honest to goodness weep too. So for once again, but this was like way back in yeah. um actually this was well over like 10 years ago. I want to say 2011, mm-hmm. 2012, maybe around mm-hmm. there. And this was back when like when Sega Dreamcast it wasn't I mean, the Dreamcast isn't as popular or much revered as it is yeah. today. And I definitely wasn't in the retro video game scene because there are times where I would go sell games to uh, Frankenstein's, which is like my local. Um, it's not a local game store. It's like this big, giant nerd swap meet. If you ever come out to Southern California, hit me up. I'll take you. It's a really cool place. You love Sounds it. super awesome. But of course, I would go there sometimes and I would try to sell games. I'd sell a bunch of other stuff I have thinking I could get top dollar and I get kind of screwed over. Or at least they yeah. would they would try to lowball me because you know they are also trying to make money, and but me as I a have younger, a lot of feelings on that. Yeah, I I can understand because you're you work in that in that field. Yeah. But once again, this was younger me not understanding what the heck is going on and also thinking, oh, I could get these games digitally. Thankfully, yeah. PlayStation Three, Sonic Adventure One and Two, they're yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Blessed be that store. <laughs> and 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 I and now it's just like now I have a much deeper respect, but also at the same mm-hmm. time, even with certain systems, I will try to sell, even though I know I can't get like top, top dollar, at least I can get something that can help that I'm comfortable with. And of yeah. course the buyer is comfortable with like one of the things I also recently sold to help like boost my um, finances a little bit was my childhood game boy pocket that I've had ever since I was that my very first game boy pocket. Mm-hmm. But my rationale for selling that system was I have a Game Boy Advance SP. That is the mm-hmm. main system I play on. I don't really play on a Game Boy anymore. If I were to buy a Game Boy again, it'd be a modded Game Boy Color with a backlit screen. Yeah. So as, as much as it hurt to get rid of such a great childhood item that I've had for so long, just like you said, it's all stuff. At the end of the day, yeah. I wasn't using it. I didn't need it. 
Um, mm-hmm. One of the games you can definitely pry from my cold, dead hands is my original copy of Pokemon Red, which I won't lie. I have. Yes. I thought about selling it, but mm-hmm. n- no, because that game, Pokemon was definitely one of the games that set me on the game. Like, while Sonic was my very first video game that I've ever played, yeah. like Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Pokemon was definitely one of those games that also set me on a path yeah. to loving not only the game, but also the RPG RPG genre in general. And that's like, to me, that is a very sentimental game that I do Absolutely. not want to get rid of. I mean, that's like, that's a core memory mm-hmm. in an object. Yeah. I will never forget the day my parents brought my brother and I out of our rooms, sat us down, brought both of the games out, put them on mm-hmm. the table. And since I'm the oldest, I got to pick first. What made you choose red? Charizard. I thought the dragon, I didn't know who he was. I just thought he looked cool. That's fair. And thankfully, my brother thought Blastoise was the cool looking one. So it all worked out. I, I'm i a Squirtle girl myself. So I respect his decision. I respect your decision as well. But I, I always choose water types. Oh, I will not lie. When I was a kid and I first played and I picked Charmander and I got to Brock and I got blasted by him. Because, you know, this was 1998. I was eight. Yeah seven eight years old when the game was released in america i had no idea what the hell was going on i just i was so mad about at brock and rock types that i did restart the game and pick squirtle just so i could get past brock that is so fair you were just you just you know play smarter not harder oh yeah exactly. i really then, believe in that yeah and then when this beautiful game came out pokemon mm-hmm. silver the first time i played it i just did the same thing in red steamroll everyone with my starter except this time oh the first gym is a flying type gym cyndaquil go yeah and then i get to the before i get squashed Mm -hmm. i know that the pokemon games do this really beautiful thing of building your confidence and then just wrecking you like Mm -hmm. oh you thought you knew how to play this game you thought your your uh pokemon were strong enough no get your butt whooped (laughs) yeah it wasn't until silver where i actually figured out how to play like i didn't understand mm-hmm. what the term level grinding meant yeah because i can't tell you how many times i would catch a wild pokemon heal it up and then throw it in battles like wait but that other trainer's pokemon was doing a lot more damage how come my pokemon yeah. is, isn't doing that much damage and then one day it just clicked i was like oh i have oh i know oh okay so that's what it means by they leveled up and that's what that blue bar on the bot oh mm-hmm. like i have clicked. to yeah, it, everything just finally clicked, and I was like, so that's how you replay this game. And then mm-hmm. I beat the Elite Four, I became the champion, I went to Kanto. I never got to Silver, or I never got to Red on top of Mount Silver, but mm-hmm. playing my Silver version, my original Silver version, unfortunately, the save battery died, and I didn't and I didn't think I was ever going to play Pokemon uh, against. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but thankfully, one of my best friends did give me a copy of Soul Silver. So I still oh, have good. that. I have Hell the better. Yeah. I have the better version. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, that was when I uh, go into Soul Silver. That was when I also came to the sudden realization that Nintendo doesn't like to put their games on sale a whole lot. Nope. Yeah, because my dumbass, and this is, and the game came out like in two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. I didn't have money for Soul Silver, and it was a DS yeah. game. But it was only forty dollars. Now, no $40. one has money for Soul Silver anymore either. Not so, any. no. But even back then, when it was yeah. actually affordable, my dumbass thought, "Oh, I'll just wait till Target puts it on sale." They never do, and then it gets super expensive. And now I just have the game. I don't have the box or anything. I just have the game card, so I have to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, hey, at least you have the game. At least, exactly. At least I have the game. I'm okay with having the game. 
Um, so you mentioned that you had thoughts about like earlier when I said about going to a store and getting lowballed. I apologize mm-hmm. if that made you mad. That wasn't my intent. <laughs> no, you're fine. Yeah, because you work in a video game store. How often mm-hmm. do people come into video game stores and expecting that they could get the same price that they see on the shelf? So, you know, it's interesting because my strong feelings are actually towards. Hmm, I have to think about how to word this. Okay. Because we don't want to make any customers mad, right? No. So it's not necessarily for customers. It's more so actually for other stores and how other stores uh, choose their payment models and Uh how they underpay people for their games. So it's really what I more so feel strongly about because fortunately at least uh, our customer base so i'm the manager of my store um and i do a little bit of everything so you know managing work i also do repairs i also do you know i buy stuff so i have a direct hand in a lot of things Mm -hmm. um and uh it's very rare that people want you know i would say more so towards the end of the pandemic um there were a lot of resellers who were trying to get out of the game Mm. and for them, when they had paid really high prices, it was really hard for them to be like, well, this actually uh, depreciated. I can never, I'm not good with words. It had, you know, lost value and actually you're going to get a lot less for it. Yeah. Um, or also, you know, a lot of people who were ill-informed and had seen, you know, Super Mario Bros. sold for like whatever crazy price it did with through Wada. The whole, whole Wada yeah. scandal. Yeah. And then I being have like, very- yeah, yeah. I have very strong feelings about that. Mm -hmm. Which is completely fair um, and very real. Um, But people will be like, okay, well, if that's sold, I have this stack of 360 games, so this should be worth something. And then having to explain, like, your seven sports games are actually going to go in our dollar bin. Um, And, you know, we never want to make people feel bad when we make offers, and we always want to be really transparent with people. And we also price stuff at market value. Um, So we try to be very fair with our pricing. Um, so, you know, a lot of the conversations are, you know, we'll be honest if GameStop can give them more. We'll be honest if other local stores in the area can give them more. It's very much so based on store needs. Um, and that transparency is so important when it comes to customers. And recently, this isn't really the question you asked me, so I apologize. But recently, um, I made a few videos about the fact that GameStop is buying retro video games. Mm -hmm. Um, And they've done that before, but they're restarting their whole process. And they are offering between $20 and $40 for games like Cube of War and Chrono Trigger. And those are games that are, Cube of War is worth, I think, the upwards of $600. And Complete Box Chrono Trigger is worth, you know, I think, what, $300, $400, something like that. Are Um, we talking like SNES or DS? SNES. Okay, I because I remember seeing a CIB Chrono Trigger at a local game store. This was like pre-pet. This was like a few years ago. The pandemic was just slightly lightening up a little bit, but I remember seeing it in the box, five hundred dollars, mm-hmm. and I was joking That's with the insane. buddy. Yeah, I was joking about it, saying, "Hey, do you want a PS5 or a Chrono Trigger?" Yeah, I mean, I bought my DS copy of Chrono Trigger for like ninety bucks, and it was complete in box and in good shape. So. 500 is a big no. You're going to hate me. I got my DS copy for 75 and it has the poster. Oh, how was, dare you? It, it, Eli, it was a very lucky eBay buy. I got stupid but lucky But I on do that also have this right here. Oh, look how... <laughs> 
gorgeous. Mm. <laughs> Super Nintendo. I'm streaming Audi- this right now. Audio listeners, they just pulled up a crisp, beautiful looking Sia. I think that's also one of the reasons why the other store I saw had the game for super expensive. It was a crisp, yeah. clean copy. Yeah. I mean, Condition definitely matters. It wasn't sealed, but the box itself was like very, very yeah. well taken care of. Like if there was mm-hmm. any like flaws to the box, it was maybe a little crease where the, the yeah. owner opened it up the first time. Other than that, it was a gorgeous mm-hmm. box. And looking back on it now, if I, you know, if I win the lottery, it's like, yeah, I might pay 500 for that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, Something that's beautiful and in great condition. I mean, it's hard to beat. Yeah. Um, and that's hard to replicate, too, because obviously, you know, there's a finite amount of things in good condition. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so GameStop is buying stuff. They're not it does not seem like they're differentiating between something being complete or sealed or no manual. Um, and a lot of people are turning around and saying, well, it's like listed on their website for 40 bucks or whatever. And it's like the prices that it's listed at are not updated. Um, mm-hmm. They're probably going to sell these games on the back end and not in store because no store is going to sell a $600 game for 30 bucks, um, no matter how good you think a store is. And especially a big corporation like GameStop that doesn't necessarily treat their employees very well. Um, they're definitely not going to be, you know, mm-hmm. for the people. Right. And, you know, the response I got was, well, GameStop's just trying to make money. Um, it's the consumer's fault if they choose to sell to GameStop. Um, or like games shouldn't be that expensive, which the games shouldn't be that expensive. I agree. However, they are. What do you want me to do about it? Um, I'm not the rich people funneling money into this. I'm the one saving up to buy stuff. And mm-hmm. me, like I can't price stuff down. It's either you underpay someone or you price something at market value or some people choose to price it above. Um, and you know, the response that I hate is like, it's the consumer's fault because as somebody who's worked in this business for over two years now, the people who bring games into a retro game store or perhaps a GameStop because GameStop can pay for ad space. So if you Google them, like Google where to sell video games, they're always come up first. You know, a lot of people imagine maybe people our age or, you know, kids who are just trying to make a few bucks. But a lot of times, you know, it has been, people who are selling stuff so that they can go to school, people who are selling stuff because they need to pay rent, people who, you know, we have had so many people who come in and say, my dad or my spouse or so-and-so has passed away. I have their entire collection and we're trying to get rid of it. We're trying to pay for funeral expenses or it's too hard for us to look at. And it's a very delicate situation to handle. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we have had people who have said, you know, Um, you know, I've had family members who have been through a house fire or there has been a flood and I need to sell this stuff to help pay for repairs. Um, you know, we have seen people who are welcoming the birth of a child, which is obviously a very positive thing who are like, I need this to help support my child. Um, you know, it's been people who have been in some really tough situations. And to me, the thought of, Going into these situations and undervaluing or taking advantage of their need and their necessity is just so heartbreaking to me. Because, again, I run a profitable business. I also run Mm -hmm. a business that pays its employees well. I also run a business that pays well for games. Like, you can do it all. Maybe you won't be a millionaire, um, but you can do all these things and have a profitable business without taking advantage of people. Right. And so to see other places not hold themselves to that standard or to see people blame um, 
people for getting ripped off at GameStop is just really, really heartbreaking because there's not a lot of humanity in it. And for me, I, I hope that if these people saying these things or these people who are taking advantage of these people, um, I hope that they never are in a situation where they need to sell things to get by. But I hope that if that does happen, that they are treated with the grace and the respect that they're not giving to other people. Yeah. Yeah. When you say GameStop, because I don't know if you saw that video or at least that photo of this guy who not only because there was this, this guy who went into a GameStop, traded in a CIB Pokemon N64, um, like an entire almost an entire collection of CIB SNES games. And what he got was in exchange for a trade in, including a cash value, was the Legend of Zelda Tears of the Tears of the Kingdom. OLED. I did see this. I think this was a, a fellow retro game store, though. I don't even think it was a GameStop, which oh, is what it made a, it worse. I thought yeah, it was a no, GameStop. I could have sworn I'm it was. Pretty sure it's a retro game store because people had sent me the store. And again, I'm not trying to discredit them. They could have paid him more, and maybe it's just the way that they presented the video. Um, you know, I don't know. It's it's all speculation. Right. Um, not trying to, you know, dog on their business. But if that is how it appears that that was the trade and that's what he got, that is just heartbreaking. And to be confident enough to post it online is further just it just blows my mind. So which is why I have to believe there's more behind the story. But there oh, yeah. are people who are just confident in posting that and confident in posting that, you know, they ripped someone off and someone may say, oh, well, they're still happy. Um, sorry, my camera froze again. But oh, well, they're still happy. But also, you know, you should still do what's right. Like, do mm -hmm. the right. Um, yeah. You know, we've had people who come in and, you know, obviously it's situational. If someone's like, I'm just looking to get rid of this stuff, I'm not going to pay 70% for it. Um, but, you know, there's times where people have had really good stuff. Pokemon stuff is a great example. And they're like, I don't know. I was thinking like, 10 bucks a game. And it's like, I'm not going to give you 10 bucks a game because they're worth so much more. Like this right. is what I'm going to offer you um, because that's what's fair. That is what you are uh, deserving of. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I think it's just, there's a lot of lack of empathy in, in different fields. And again, empathy is not going to make you rich, but uh, I would rather be a good person than be super rich. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, there are even times, I think the one time where, I didn't say I won't say I screw them over because like when you mentioned GameStop, because um, mm -hmm. when I went to go pick something out, I went to go pull up my case for Star Mega Man Star Force Two um, Zerker Saurian. Nice, thank you. Because when I was at, I got this at GameStop, mm -hmm. and I saw it because I was just like they had they still had like a cabinet of DS and uh, Game Boy games that were loose. So I figured you know I'm just gonna give it a Deander, and of course I saw this, um, and I'm like oh you know I've never played any of the Star Force games. Um, that was once again when the Star Force games were coming out. I was just over my Bound Network phase, and I was mm -hmm. like, yeah, I don't know about Mega Man anymore. Spoilers: I still love Mega Man. I'll love mm -hmm. Mega Man to the day I die. Yeah. And this game was on sale at a GameStop for fourteen dollars. Wow. So I'm like, so I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, you know, I'm just gonna double check to see if that is a good price on like a price charting. <gasps> I'm sorry, seventy four. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll like this game out of the case, please. Yeah. And the dude was just like, he got the tag off. It said 14. I checked my receipt. They charged me 14. Actually, no, I got charged $10 for it because I'm a member at GameStop and I had to use my $5 there you coupon. Go. 
So wow. I, yeah. So I go home and I'm talking to my friends about this. And my friends are like, well, GameStop charged you $14 and the game is really only $14. Like, dude, look on eBay right now and yeah. see how much this game is going for. And they're like, oh shit, what? <laughs> <They're> wow. <laughs> Hey, yeah. a steal is a steal. If a company puts yeah. something out and says that that's what the price is, like, so be it. We've done that a few times where we sold stuff and then it's been like, oh, we accidentally undervalued that. But, you know, mistakes yeah. happen. Things happen. And yeah. someone is very happy because of that yeah. mistake. And also at the same time, this was like, you know, it's GameStop, big corporation. As Yeah, much as, exactly. I mean, part of me kind of wants to say, screw you, big corporation, GameStop. But at the same time. That's what I, I say. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> weird because I had it going to switching gears and going to GameStop for a very quick second. Part of me does want to say, screw you, big corporations. Let's go mom and pop. But then there are times where it's like. I don't really have a diehard loyalty, but at the same time, I know that there are people who do work at GameStop who actually do give a damn and they do care oh, absolutely. about video games. And I don't want them to suffer. It's very weird because when I, the only time I go to a GameStop nowadays is just to buy the newer games. Retro games, I go to conventions, I go to my local yeah. stores first, um, or I get lucky with eBay, like this beauty right here. Oh my gosh. Chrono Trigger. I, I mean, can't case, believe it. I mean, the, I will not lie. The case is a little, uh, but it is a legitimate game. It is the poster and the manual and all the inserts are there. That only is thing is cool. that the case and the outside um, uh, paper cover are a little, you know, not the best, but still. That just means it was a little well-loved, you know. It was a little well-loved, but yeah, it's got the poster. Oh, hey, there's my copy of Fire Emblem. That's where that went. Sacred Stones. Wow. Yes. Wow. I did not mean to, to drop that. Flex. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, Eli, I apologize. That did not mean to turn to a flex. I flex am so away. sorry. Flex away. I am so sorry. The second after I said it, you just went, wow. I was like, oh, shit. No, I'm, I'm so pro-flexing. I love a good collection. <laughs> no, but actually, even with... Because I, I finally did get a copy of Fire Emblem recently. Oh, I, nice. I um, traded for it. I had like a bunch of game, like GBA games... Um, like even earlier, I mentioned my copy of Mega Man Legends One and Two. I first the games I traded was my copy of Mega Man X Four, which is mm -hmm. my personal favorite Mega Man X game of all time. I absolutely adore that game, mm -hmm. and I had my PlayStation One copy for. Actually, I rebought it because I sold it back in the day. And then I rebought it, not a bad price, mm -hmm. and then it started going up there. I was like, you know what? Mm -hmm. I need to. I there's these games I don't really need. And I decided to sell it. But then, of course, I was at this little buy, sell, trade event that one of mm -hmm. a local store had. And the guy had Fire Emblem. And I granted, I had like about $80 worth of games. The guy was mm -hmm. selling Fire Emblem for $80. And it was a clean mm -hmm. switch. Nice. And I'm like, you know what? I'll take that. That's totally fine yeah. with me. Absolutely. That is a good score. Yeah, I, yeah, I thought so too. <laughs> Pretty sick. I did want to say too on the topic of GameStop is like, though I hate them as a corporation, I'm never like anti-employee because it's not mm -hmm. someone's fault for where they work. We also have a lot of uh, GameStop employees that we're friends with. Um, yeah. And, you know, like for me, I would be more pro GameStop if they treated their employees a little bit better. Oh, yeah. But I also think GameStop's important because it's still about, so for me, accessibility is mm -hmm. the number one thing. There are people who have retro game stores that don't have very good prices and GameStop's better for them. There are people who only have GameStop as a game store. Like for me, it's better that somebody has access to games and prices that are appropriate than for me mm -hmm. to be on like my high horse about like small businesses are better because not everybody has that option. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. And of course, there are some stores that have like that must have some reputations of like constantly overcharging up upselling Mm -hmm. and then or doing the same thing. GameStop would be like when someone would go in with some games to sell, they would Mm -hmm. vastly um, lowball them. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like when you were mentioning earlier about like trying you know being a good person and like explain to someone like hey you have a pokemon game i'm not buying this for you for ten dollars i'll buy this yeah. for you for a much higher price because you know pokemon sells mm-hmm. um recent like the last time i went to go sell games i was talking because once again went back to frankincense uh mm-hmm. they're not paying me to mention them i swear to god um they should they have, be though let's get a sponsorship for you <laughs> i would kill for a sponsorship by anyone right now my gosh <laughs> i would be i would be chugging all the sonic g fuel you and me were, both let's you and let's me do both. this let's be <laughs> like like dr squatch i buy dr squatch at frankincense because there's a game booth that sells soap very it's it, so awesome is, i love that this, eli this is 100 percent true there is a store there is a, a booth that sells video games and handmade soaps. And some of the soaps they sell are Dr. Squatch. I cannot tell you. They know it's a necessity. It is, it is so awesome. And mm-hmm. I cannot tell you how many times I've bought Dr. Squatch soaps from them. And I'm just like, how do I get sponsored by these guys? Because they're actually so legit incredible. good. Hey, there we go. Dr. Squatch, are you hearing yeah. this? Let's get a sponsorship in here. Seriously, my fiance would love that. <laughs> She also helps me pick which sense that she likes more. But anyways, back to... Heck yeah, uh, I love that. But going back to like um, selling games over at Frankenstein's, because mm-hmm. there's multiple retro video game booths that do buy games on the regular. Mm-hmm. And there's a good friend of mine who works there and who runs a booth. And I would talk to him and I'd show him what I have. And he would either say, I would give you this price, but I think you could get more. And he would mm-hmm. point me in other directions. I would go talk to them. And if... Because obviously I would go in with a certain price in my head. And because yeah. thankfully I have a better understanding of how business works, unlike mm-hmm. I did when I was a child, mm-hmm. um, I would like when I would pick out the games I'm picking this, I'm choosing to sell or deciding to sell, I would say, okay, all these games on price charting are about, say, like $220 collectively. I'm probably going to get like 180. So let's just like try to get these for like 180. If I could get 190, cool. But I know there's no way in hell I'm going to get the whole 220 mm-hmm. for it. Or yeah. at least start at 220, or at least say, hey, 220. And then if they give me an offer, you know, negotiate, try to meet in the middle, and then see mm-hmm. where they're coming from. Like the lowest I'll go is here, but what I want is yeah. here. Let's see if we can get meet me in the middle. Yeah. And there are times where I've had to take a little bit lower option, but there are other times mm-hmm. where I had where I actually got a little bit lucky and maybe got like five or ten dollars over than mm-hmm. what I originally hoped for. Once again, when I would sell these games, my whole point isn't for profit, profit, profit. Like I'm not mm-hmm. some profit goblin, but it's like, I do need this cash for like, when I would sell these games, it's like, they would ask me, it's like, Hey, how come you send these games? You love these games. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. but, um, my fiance's ring was X expensive. The trip yeah. to Hawaii was X expensive. Um, I'm kind of in a bit of a bind, so I just need to get these. I just need all the help I can get. So, I mean, sometimes it's like, well, I want to help you, but unfortunately, yeah. you know, they would actually give me a lowdown of why they charge the, how much mm-hmm. they do or why they would sell or they would pay for mm-hmm. as much as they would. I mean, there's some wiggle room, especially if you're friends with the, these people, which has yeah, helped me a few times. Mm-hmm. But I do 100% get that they're also trying to run a business. They are yeah. also trying to, to, you know, to make their own bills, to make their Absolutely. own uh, make ends meet. And if you know the transparency of like they play employees well, they pay other people well, they're pricing well, like that breakdown is super important because sometimes oh, yeah. if I go somewhere and a product is at a premium, it's like, 
well, I'm okay paying that premium because I know the way that the funds are being dispersed are good and they're equitable. Um, yes. And I, I get why they're doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, of course, you always have scummy people, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. There will always be bad people in the world. But mm-hmm. I am gl- I'm happy to say that I don't think I've yet to come across scummy sellers mm-hmm. yet. Because yes. like now I remember when I went to I went to Portland Retro Gaming Expo last year. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. And thank you. And it was it was so great. It, I would mm-hmm. definitely if you're a retro video game fan. It's one of my dreams. Hopefully uh, I can get out there someday. I, I would love to go to like too many games. Midwest Gaming Classic. Uh, I, haven't been, I haven't been to too many games. I haven't been to um, we have another. Uh, what is it? MAGFest. Those are like video game things that are near me. I haven't been to them, but all of them sound great. There's so many gaming conventions I want to go to. I am so glad that gaming conventions are a thing now. I just want to go to all of them. Thankfully, in California, we have some. There's yeah, some you guys are a little spoiled. You guys have a lot of good stores and you guys yeah. have your conventions. So, you yeah. know, I can only be so sympathetic towards you. True, true. I mean, when, like when you told me where you live, I was like, damn, there's not a lot out there. Mm-mm. But... Because I do, because I remember when I went to, I went to a certain a store the day before the convention started, and we mm-hmm. were just me and my friend, uh, friend of mine, we were just like going around looking, trying to find some place, you know, get some stuff before the convention started. <laughs> and when I went to the store, I mean, I thought the store was great. They had a great, huge selection. But mm-hmm. one of the things I was like, yikes about were, of course, video game prices. But mm-hmm. and at the time, I was like, man, these are really expensive games. Yeah. But then I thought, okay, the area I'm in, the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. big tech area big game area these people know what they have so of course they upcharge and it wasn't until maybe a few weeks ago where i realized it's like but they also have a large storefront there was like three or four employees working there constantly mm-hmm. and also they had a booth at the convention so now it kind of makes sense why they have to maybe mm-hmm. put prices up a little bit and i could only assume now unfortunately i didn't buy anything because i was saving my money for the convention in the following of day of course as much as i wanted to because they had like this cute little mascot of a tanuki raccoon over like Aww. a coat of arms sort of thing it was absolutely mm-hmm. adorable i was like dang i should have gotten that little trinket mm-hmm. but i could also assume that they make sure the games work the games mm-hmm. are tested. There was a person um, repairing a PlayStation 1, like original PS1 classic, making sure it was all fit, ready to go. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? I'm okay with if I were if I was to buy something from him. My buddy did. He bought a Castlevania collection from him. Nice. It was the like limited run games Nintendo Switch. Yeah, yeah. Really, that one's really nice. Yeah. I, I'm really not nice. I don't love everything limited run puts out, but sometimes they put out a banger like that, and I'm like, yeah. ooh. That is good. I definitely got suckered into the Doom collection. That I didn't get the Shadow Box, but I got the Steelbook mm-hmm. for the PS4 and haven't put it into my system yet, but it still is like nice. Yeah. That's I, that's I, that's like a yeah, that's a one yeah. that I would go for as well. There's some titles that you're just like, here's my money. Pretty much. Just take it. Well, I can't say anything else. Just take it. <laughs> You're like that uh um that thing on TikTok where the guy just like comes in, just slams his credit card yep, and goes literally. Mm-hmm. Yep. Take yeah. I can't tell you yeah, I can't tell you how many times I became fry from Future Rumor. I was like, shut up and take my money. <laughs> so real. So so real. Yeah. 
but yeah, I mean, that's the thing about prices. And I mean, I always try to hold people the same. We test everything. We clean everything. We remove stickers. We're very, very good about the condition that we put stuff in. We also price stuff based on a condition. And I really try to assume the best of everyone, um, which is why, like, I'm very much so not trying to be like, oh, well, my store is so much better. Like, in my mind and what I tell people all the time is, like, when I go into a game store, I give them the same respect that I give to my store and the same assumptions that I give to my store. Because I'm not going to walk into somewhere and be like, your prices are terrible. Your store sucks you probably don't pay your employees right like I'm not going to do that I'm going to assume that they have a reason for everything and I might not choose to buy something from them because I might know I can get it somewhere better um but regardless I'm still not going to like I would never like I was thinking about this the other day I would never leave a bad review for another game store like I could never do that that would be like stabbing someone in the back because I'm (laughs) in the industry Uh like that would be like I know what this takes in a big f you maybe if they were like terrible terrible but like I would never do that like actively berating customers or berating yeah. employees in front of you, then it's like, okay, yeah. Or like yeah, snapping you, discs in half or like uh, doing something crazy. Yeah, like if they were to do that, then yeah, they deserve it. But yeah, you are a manager of a game store. So you, if anyone is qualified to talk about this, it, it would be you because you run it. I am, I, like I wouldn't say so. a norm because I have worked in retail before. I do know yeah. what goes into, I've, I've worked at an old mom and pop store. I worked at an old mm-hmm. toy store back in the day. Oh, that but, is so cool. <laughs> i also collect 80s and 90s barbies so i'm always like very enamored by the uh, concept of toy stores unfortunately we didn't have any of the older barbies we had some newer but you know, that's mm-hmm. not that's not a time in my work life that i'm not a, that i'm a big fan of to be perfectly honest Ooh. Eh, i mean nothing bad had really happened yeah. it was just uh, stuff that the owner was doing that me and even my best mm-hmm. friend who helped get me the job were kind of like yo if you want customers this is what you need to do and he was like yeah. no you know and it bad was- management that's like a tale as old as time that'll ruin everything uh, yeah <sighs> sorry yeah sorry my nine to five job has that in spades and it is just I'll tell you, I'll give you more details once we, you know, we stop the recording, but I would love to hear it, (laughs) but going back to, so going back to selling games, like when you need Mm -hmm. to sell stuff in your collection, I've mentioned earlier that when I sell games in my collection, one of the, my driving reasons to sell said games Mm -hmm. is if I played it hundreds of times and I have ways to play it again or Mm -hmm. easier ways to play it again. Do you have similar ways when you need to call the collection or do you take a different approach? Gosh, I wish. I mean, first off, I'm a Silent Hill fan. We probably have the <laughs> the like worst um, like upkeep of our games out of virtually any series. Maybe that's a large claim, but like, just tell me where I can play Silent Hill one. Like, just just try. Maybe it's still in the um, PS3 store. I don't know. Of, outside of the PlayStation One, I would say a modded emulated PlayStation Vita, which is the one I have, but I haven't yeah. checked but I'm pretty sure that's where you can play it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, you can download it from the PS3 store and then put it onto a Vita or PSP and then other things. But, you know, we don't have, they, they don't take care of their games. We know how Konami is. Um, so for me, you know, it's tough. Because again, I worked backwards, so I would beat games and then I would buy them. That was part of it. I have a Steam Deck, um, which actually one of my community members, like, Major kisses to you, Tomo, if you ever see this. Um, he prepared an SD card with all the emulators I would need and all the files for Silent Hill and tons of other great games that I would need. And that has been a godsend. So I have I have my Steam Deck right here. Um, if you don't know, if you can't tell, my favorite color is pink. I'm you know so what? Nice I was going to... 
You know, I had a feeling because looking like audio listener, because I forgot to say this is going on vi uh, as video and audio as well. So audio <laughs> listeners, um, Eli's room, there's a lot of pink in there, which is awesome. Tons but of if, pink. Yeah, I mean, your headphones that you're wearing, is that a, are those Hello Kitty headphones? These are, I'm going to take them off. They're the Hello Kitty and they have, sorry, my makeup cuffs are gross because I have makeup all over them. But it has the Hello Kitties on, the characters on the band and then it also says Hello Kitty. My that, mouse pad and my my uh, mouse are also the Hello Kitty collab. That is awesome. I can't, I bought my fiance a few of the Hello Kitty Animal Crossing Amiibo cards whenever I could get them. Because she yes. also loves, she also loves Hello Kitty. And there was also the time where that. she had to go to work, but she begged me to wait in line because they were, the Hello Kitty cafe was doing a little pop-up at my shopping center, which is close to my house. I made one of my coworkers go and wait in line at that to bring <laughs> me some back. So, you know, I, I've, I've, I'm there. I'm right there with you your fiance, okay? I'm you know. There. I mean, it was worth it because when I got her her stuff, she was super happy. And I was like, yeah. okay, if she's happy, then I'm happy. Oh, that's um, so sweet. Thanks. Um, but yeah, so when you obviously Silent Hill, hard stuff to, to play, but because you have other games in your collection, at least, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm 90% sure you have other games in your oh, collection. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I do. I promise I do. My yeah. stuff, that is not my whole collection. This is also, I live stream. So for those mm -hmm. of you who can see my setup, this is also my set. It's my bedroom. It's my set. It's a little bit of everything. So it's kind of set up a specific way. Um, but yeah, I mean, Steam is amazing. I'm big on emulation. Um, not as big as I was because I, I can own the games. Obviously, that was out of a, a necessity. Um, but Steam ports have been amazing. And for me, so I was never a Nintendo kid, not mm -hmm. by choice, but by force. <laughs> I was never a Nintendo kid. Um, so I didn't get to play so many games until the Switch. The Switch has been a whole new world for me. That's where I played my first Pokemon game. I played the oh. Pokemon Diamond remake. Oh, I you have Diamond 2? Yeah. I got it for Christmas and I literally played over 40 hours of it in the span of three days. I was just like hooked. I was like waking up. I was like, I got to do this. Um, now you want, you were talking about flexing. I applaud you, Eli. I applaud you. you. I salute you. I was, because I originally had diamond when it first came out. Another one of the games I sold like an idiot. Cause I, I loved that game. Cause that actually, yeah. I skipped gen three and I went into gen mm -hmm. four and I loved it. And then when, of course, Brilliant Diamond comes out, it's like, oh, I have to play this. And yeah. me, and, uh, me and another friend of mine, uh, Grayson, he and I were like constantly missing each other, trying to trade Pokemon back and forth because mm -hmm. he had Brilliant, because he had Shining Pearl and I had Diamond. So nice. we're like trying to get all the exclusives. I mean, it's it was such a fun game. It completely got me. Um, and I under I finally understood the Pokemon craze. I had cards <laughs> growing up. Oh, well, yeah. my brother did. The cards were okay. I guess the video games weren't nice unfortunately we it was funny we tried to go through our collection to be like do we have any ones that we can sell and we oh, had only that. trash cards <laughs> we had like the worst cards we we're like oh, we yeah. can't make money on any of this yeah um, um sorry you uh, you just no, go ahead. unlocked another memory for me uh, about the pokemon cards because i had a decent collection of pokemon cards back in the day mm -hmm. but of course when i was out of my pokemon craze i think i got rid of all my cards in the garage sale and of course years later i'm like uh and then, of course, I meet my, well, then girlfriend, now fiance. Yeah. And she still has her cards, including a holographic Charizard. My best friend's the same way. I literally think she has a holographic Charizard as well. Obviously, it's, like, very well played. Um, but her collection amazes me. And I'm like, yeah. 
Yeah. Not only does she have a char- I mean, it's not a first edition, like super expensive. She has it yeah. in a binder. So if we were to get graded, you know, it'd still go for a pretty penny, but not like the yeah. super pretty penny. But yeah. even to this day, because at Portland, I bought the Pokemon TCG game for the Game mm-hmm. Boy Color. I played it. I learned how to play the Pokemon game 20 plus years after the fact. Heck yeah. And now I love it. I'm, I mean, I'm not buying cards regularly, but I still have never pulled a Charizard and I am still mad about it. I know it'll happen for you. I'm manifesting for you that it'll I, happen soon. I hope so because I really want some boxes of the new Paldea set and uh, and also I want Skeledurge because I have a fire because I started with Coco in um, mm-hmm. Scarlet in Pokemon Scarlet and I oh, love nice. that I love that crocodile. This, I, I think the, the the scarlet and violet starters are so adorable and they very are. well done. They are. Um, absolutely. But yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Going back to the switch, I'm like, yeah, I, can yeah, talk about, I can go on like 7 million tangents. So I'm trying to reel myself in. Otherwise, I'll talk forever. Eli, um, good thing about the show. Tangents aren't just welcome. They're encouraged. Yes. I love that. Um, I've found my people. Um but uh, my friend uh, and community member and mod, his name is his nickname is Dix, um, which always sounds funny saying that out loud. But it's just his name. Um, and uh, he was like, "Oh, do you have like the Nintendo expansion packs and whatever the retro, whatever they're called? I don't know what Nintendo calls them." And I was like, "No." And he's like, "Well, I have room on my family plan." And I was like, "Put me on that family plan," <laughs> and like immediately just downloading you know, the games and going through all the games that they have. I mean, they even have Sega games. Like it was like, Oh my gosh, I can play earthbound now. Like I can play the, some of the legend of Zelda games. And my switch has just been such a great tool into retro games that I never really wanted to buy. Um, (laughs) But I still wanted to experience and playing them in a way that feels authentic. So I really applaud for, I really applaud Nintendo for the way that they have, gone about some areas of their game preservation obviously it's not a straight shot of being great but it's super cool to have an online service like that um and to bring the games to a new generation of people to enjoy i think that that's really special yeah that's also one of the reasons why i i fought to get my Mm -hmm. super nintendo mini when that came out back in. oh yeah those are great too I, abs- I mean, I missed out on the NES the first round. Then one day I walk into a rant my local GameStop for mm-hmm. something completely different, and they had a bunch of NES minis on the counter for sale. And I nice. like, and I had to tell my fiance, I was like, I need this. Yeah, because you I gotta had, get it. I, even when I was working a different shift at work, I got off work and I drove to a local Target and I stood in line for two and a half hours for them to open to get to secure my Super Nintendo mini. Oh my I was, gosh. I mean, when I first heard that they were even doing a Super Nintendo Mini, I was like, I need this. Because when I was a kid, I had an, I had two next door neighbors. And my first in the house that I remember living in when my brother was born in Marietta and my other one that I grew up in in Diamond Bar. The mm-hmm. first one was, of course, one of my close, my oldest friends. I'm still in contact with him today. Nice. He has Sega Genesis. And that's how I got mm-hmm. introduced to Sonic the Hedgehog. So yes. mom and dad blame him. And, yeah. <laughs> when, and then when we moved from there to Diamond Bar my next door neighbor and also my kindergarten classmate, she had a super Nintendo where I experienced nice. super Mario world and Street yeah. Two for the very first time. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they were coming out with these mini consoles, especially the super Nintendo one, cause I never owned a super Nintendo prior to that. I'm yeah. like, I need this. It has yeah. a, a, that library of games. The and library even, like, is so good. 
Yeah, like for the second they said, oh yeah, we have Secret of Mana. And at the time, people were mm-hmm. constantly telling me that Secret of Mana was one of the best RPGs I ever played. Kind of mm-hmm. like this one right here. I'm like, mm-hmm. I need it. I need this thing. And I got it. And then Collection of Mana came out. A bunch of other stuff came out. Yeah. And I'm like... But still... Oh, no, I would still have, because I have Collection of Mana, too. I'm not getting rid of that sucker. Oh, Hell nice. No. That's Hell awesome. No. That is so sick. But the mini consoles, I mean, they're amazing. They were a yeah. great idea, and I'm really happy that they did them. And I hope that they continue to do it for other I, consoles as well. I, I would kill for a Sega Saturn Mini. I oh, my gosh. For, I would kill for a Dreamcast Mini, of course. But yeah. if... Sega Saturn is definitely one of those games that, or not games, systems that in recent years has gotten a lot more popular in the retro mm-hmm. gaming cir- circles, but it's also gotten stupid expensive. It is very, very expensive. I have, um, I'm trying to think of what Saturn. I have D. I think I have D. I have Enemy Zero. And I have House of the Dead 2. I think for for Saturn, I think that's it for my Saturn games. No, that's it. Those are three really great kind of expensive titles. But yeah, that, that's mm-hmm. it for me. But it's like, I mean, I can't imagine having more than three Saturn games and not feeling guilty because <laughs> yeah. they're they're <laughs> so expensive. Oh yeah, yeah. Because even when I would go to one of my one, a local store and I would even see a Sega Saturn, my first thought is ooh, and then I look at the price tag, I go ooh, and then I look yeah. at the. And then seeing the games, I'm like, ah, and I run away. Absolutely. I cannot blame you. I cannot blame you, especially because, like, it leaves less room for risk because you can't really buy a game that kind of looks interesting because it's like you can't really take a risk on, like, a $200, $300 game. Or a $400 one, which is what I saw Panzer Dragoon Saga for. Uh, I mean, I think that's a low price for that. I feel like that game is worth – is that – one that's worth like 900 i could be wrong there's one there i'm gonna open up price charting there's one of them that's worth a bunch of money uh panzer dragoon saga complete in box is worth a thousand dollars i'm not trying to tell you you made a bad decision there i'm not trying to say that at all it must have been a different panzer dragoon then (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I definitely. I'm gonna say it's one of the other ones that is Probably cheaper. Would. It might have been three, or because I think it was a Panzer. <laughs> it was a. I just remember seeing Panzer Dragoon and a price tag for four hundred dollars. Yeah, and then I saw Mega Man X four for like two hundred thirty something dollars, and just every other Saturn game that they were selling, which was a decent yeah. sized collection, was you know very expensive. And then even yeah. nowadays, when I go see Dreamcast games like Sonic Adventure one and two. Hundred, hundred thirty dollars, yeah. give or take. Sonic Adventure Two, game. especially. That was my first Dreamcast game ever. I you opened gotta it go up with on, the expensive taste. I opened it up on Christmas morning, Aww. and even that, not that, the night before, my parents gave us stuff to open for Christmas Eve, and mm-hmm. I opened a third-party Dreamcast controller and Crazy Taxi. Ah, oh, crazy. Essentially, so them good. like yeah. Essentially, them they told me that hey, this is what you're getting tomorrow morning. Have fun. Yeah. And like the whole like time a little going, teaser. It's like oh. yeah, because normally they wouldn't let us. They were only let us open one present yeah. on Christmas Eve, and it was normally a, um, the present from our aunts who live up in Montana, and it oh. would be like the same thing for my brother and I, just different color variations, so we can tell who's is who. Mm-hmm. But that Christmas, apparently, we had a lot of stuff on the tree, and they just went, yeah, you could go open a few more. Open this. And they wow. were they were telling me to open one specific one. I'm like, but I don't have a Dreamcast yeah. yet. They're, they're going, yeah. just wait. 
Just wait. You might be getting one. Let's see. (laughs) That's so special. What a beautiful memory. Yeah, it was also another another good one was when I told like I told you earlier how I wanted a Super Nintendo. Mm -hmm. One Christmas morning, I open it up. I see a Nintendo. Original NES, not the Super Nintendo that I wanted. (laughs) That's a tough one. Well, when I told my dad what I wanted for Christmas, I told him Super Nintendo. I know I said mm-hmm. Super Nintendo, but he only heard Nintendo. And then uh, my aunt, his so sister, close. yeah, she had an NES. And my mom was because when I told talked to my mom about this recently, she was like, "I was talking to your dad. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's not what you wanted." And my dad mm-hmm. was like, "Ah, he'll he'll like it." And of course, when we open it up at my grandparents in Montana. My grandparents are very much of um, you're grateful for what you get, and if you're ungrateful, that is take- soul crushing as a child. That is so soul crushing. Well, th- thankfully, I did. I I knew if I made a scene, I was gonna get in trouble, and it's yeah. not like I was unhappy with what it was. Yeah, I it was, was just like. like mm. Well, that I had to play it off. I mean, eventually, I did tell my dad he got me the wrong thing, and he said, "Well, if you don't want us, we can give it back, and we can get the and right." Like, I'm like, no, 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 no. no, no. no. It, still have it it's in my oh, dresser it's right here I'm, that's so wonderful i have i mean i don't have all the games i grew up with it unfortunately yeah. i mean something because there are a lot of nes games there's some of them that mm-hmm. are i mean there are some that i won't get rid of but there are also some that it's like if i need to play them i have the my mini or the yeah. emulator on the switch and other ways to play them because you know they're nes games they're easy to play yeah they're not yeah not the most complex things no nah. Yeah, because I eventually I want to turn my NES into like what I call a museum piece, you know, just like put it behind glass and make it like a little thing for it because, you know, it's it's the NES. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's yours and it's a piece of history. It's like what yeah. saved the video game market. Yeah, exactly. Here in America, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, there's one other question that I had that I had for you. And slowly, it's also the bummer. Sometimes we go on these great tants, these great rant, uh, tants, rants, these great tangents. You make tangents and rants into yeah. tants. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a new word right, yeah. right here on Base Market. Tants. tants. Uh, so do you think, okay, actually, no, you mentioned emulation. They're actually, because um, emulation for me, I am pro and I'm like, I am a weird odds with emulation. Not that I think it's bad. In my personal opinion, I think for retro gaming to exist in today's modern age and in the future, emulation is a hundred percent must. We need to have these games available. We need to have mm-hmm. a way, or they have to be stored digitally somewhere, which people are doing. And of course, the work of the Video Game History Foundation. I can only imagine they're doing some amazing work. Mm-hmm. But the way for people to play these games is becoming difficult, and it's also been thrown into like legal hell to to be perfectly honest um like you mentioned emulation like for you is what is obviously your, your pro emulation but your stance on emulation are you like 100 percent like yo ho yo ho or when let's do the legal stuff first and then hoist the colors so to speak so for me if I bought a game, because there are some games I've bought like six times, not even physically, like digitally. I just like lost it. I, I don't even know. I bought it on some account that I don't remember. So if I bought something a few times, I own it. I bought it. I paid my dues. Um, mm-hmm. For retro stuff, it's incredibly important, I think. Not only for, you know, preservation, but for accessibility, mm-hmm. um, you know, 
it's ridiculous to think that everyone has money to spend on retro games because they just don't. Um, however, I, I'm one of those people who has no money to spend on retro <laughs> me too, games. Me too. Um, so, you know, for me, what's disheartening is one of the most beautiful things that's happened in, you know, the last probably 10 or so, probably less years, is the amount of independent studios and independent people who are making amazing games. Um, and there seems to be a lack of awareness that if you are playing those games for free, that a person is missing out on a large chunk of that. Um, so, you know, for EA, EA can survive. Okay. EA is going to survive a person, you know, who's, who's put their heart and soul into a game. And independently, there's a game that came out recently. It's a horror game. It's called Madison. It was a two person dev team. And even though it wasn't one of my favorite games of all time, it was really impressive for such a small dev team. Um, and you know, like those people deserve their money. They deserve their dues. So I think people need to use discretion when it comes to what they're deciding to emulate. Um, mm -hmm. which there's a different word that I'd rather use, but I'll say emulate. Um, but for the most part, like I am pretty pro it. I think there's just value in just remembering that like there are people who create these pieces of art and they deserve money for that. Right. Um, oh yeah. 100% yeah. there for the indie teams. When I mention emulation, it's mostly when it comes to essentially dead systems like systems that are discontinued systems that aren't there's no online support for anymore that and also it it kind of baffles me because i get nintendo they want to protect their ip it is in their right unfortunately but i don't know if you saw the news but a few weeks or maybe a few months ago they shut down a site that was uh, making the dolphin the dolphin emulator yeah. a gamecube emulator which was a really well-made emulator and even before that when they shut down um another Metroid 2 remake because they were making the 3DS game. Mm -hmm. Part of it, sometimes like when Nintendo does stuff, it makes sense. It's like, oh, they're making a new Metroid game. Yay. So of course they want people to get that because they are a business they need to make money. But when they get mad at people for emulating games for like the GameCube or something they show no um, support for, especially this ever since the Wii U and 3DS eShops closed, that they're saying they're not going to release mm -hmm. legacy content elsewhere it's kind of putting them in a, in a weird limelight. I was like, you are doing good things with emula with legal emulations, such as the minis and you're putting stuff on NSO, which mm -hmm. is good, but you're also kind of kicking us, like putting people down who want to experience these games at a much better frame. Like when I remember when the N64 emulator for the Nintendo switch came out, it was, oh, it was dogged mess, on, wasn't it? It was dogged on relentlessly because like people were playing Ocarina, they're showing how bad the frame rates were. They're saying how horrible, like saw these glitches that should have been fixed. And then they go to their not necessarily approved emulator, or at least not Nintendo approved emulators, and the game is running perfectly. Mm -hmm. And even when Nintendo did run the game great on, like, say the Wii. Like when the Wii had their uh, virtual console, oh, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they were they were comparing the two. It's like the technology just got better and you're giving us a worse product. How is, yeah. how is this happening? Yeah. I mean, for me, laziness and a big corporation is just like unacceptable for people to push a, a product to such a willing and dedicated fan base that isn't polished just seems like a mm -hmm. slap in the face. And I think for that, like I cannot blame anyone for emulation. I mean, for me, one of the, the prime examples of that is if you ever play Silent Hill 2, there is a fan project and it is the most beautiful, fantastic thing I have ever seen. It's the enhanced edition and they transform the game. 
the work that they do, this fan patch is amazing. And it's still being worked on. They're constantly updating. They're constantly improving it. And, um, you know, that is a case where it's like when people are, I was having a conversation with a friend recently and he was saying, and Silent Hill 2 does have an original PC port, by the way. Um, you know, he's saying, I'm going to play everything on original hardware. And I'm like, well, PC does count as original hardware. It came out on PC and this is the best way to play the game. You're not going to play in any better way. And, you know, for that, it's like, what a great experience for emulation. And even though we are getting the Silent Hill 2 remake, there's still not any ports of Silent Hill 2 minus the HD collection, which is a whole nother drama. Um, so, you know, I that's also what I say to people about Silent Hill 1. Like, you need to experience the game and this is the best way. Or even, you know, Kuan, Rule of Rose, Haunting Ground, those are all very expensive PS2 survival horror games. I don't think I can tell you in good faith to go out and spend $600, $700 on them. I would love for you to play them. Um, they're not anywhere. They're not ported anywhere. They're not created anywhere. They're abandoned by their creators. So, you, I mean, I think Rule of Rose is Atlas. And then again, uh, Kuan is uh, from software. So, you know, I think it's fair game. Like, if you're not going to touch an IP or you're, if you're not going to dedicate the proper work into an IP, mm-hmm. then why should we pay you for something that one we've probably paid for before and two yeah. something that you're half-assing for whatever yeah. reason and also like you mentioned about how like the ip has been abandoned by the original creator or right mm-hmm. and also rights holder because i know um mm-hmm. friend of the show well read mage i don't know if you know who he is mm-hmm. he um he was on the show prior when we were talking about physical and digital collecting mm-hmm. but we were also talking about emulation and he mentioned the game illusion of gaia for the super nintendo yeah which is a, a very well-loved Super Nintendo RPG, but Absolutely. the rights have been lost, as in no one knows who owns the rights to the game. And that, because when emulators and or when like legal emulation, like the minis when they mm-hmm. come out, I can't tell you how many times when a new machine has been released, be it Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, whomever, you get people saying, how come they only release a few games? How come they can't release the entire library? They have, they own it all, right? It's like, uh, yeah, no, they, they don't. don't. <laughs> like, I went through that heartbreak with the Sega Genesis Mini because one of my my one of my favorite games of all time and my favorite JRPG is Lunar, Silver Star Story. Um, I highly suggest it. If you haven't played it, it's a, it's a piece of art. Um, and... Uh, because somebody else owned the rights to the music, they could not put it on the Sega Genesis Mini. And stuff like that just, like, it just breaks my heart. Because it's like, who, you're still not getting money for it. Now people can't play it. Like, it's just, it's super disheartening. And that's a game that's expensive both on PlayStation and the Sega CD. Oh, yeah. I cannot tell you how many times I see Lunar Silver Star Story. And I'm intrigued because I love old anime RPGs. Mm -hmm. I mean, Star Ocean to the end of time really got me into anime style RPGs. And yay, Second Story R for the Switch. Hallelujah. But Mm -hmm. um, every time I see Lunar Second Star Story for sale, it's like two, three hundred. It's up there. It is really up there. And I just, you know, go out my heart. Yeah. But also you mentioned about how the music, it also reminds me of Sonic the Hedgehog 3 because Michael Jackson Mm -hmm. did the music for Sonic the Hedgehog 3, but Sega doesn't want to get in trouble with the Michael Jackson estate. Kind of smart because, you know, that's a whole legal battle they don't want to go through. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like a lot of the times I'm like, okay, I get it. But some of the times I'm just like, no, this is just ridiculous. Yeah, Yeah, because I mean, my whole stance of emulation is I try to go legal first, Mm -hmm. mostly because... I know that it's going to work the first time. Yeah. My, 
my whole thing, because I will tell a little story. And once mm-hmm. again, I just want to preface, this is my opinions, 100% my opinions. Mm-hmm. Maybe don't do this. Because um, a friend of mine at work, he gave me a fully modded, fully ready to go PlayStation 3. He just had it. And it had retro arc on it. It was just ready to go. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, because I never won PS3. Now I do. It's fully loaded. I'm a dumbass. And I updated the system software for it and deleted everything. Yeah. Once again, audio listeners, Eli is putting their face in their hands because Ben Magnet doesn't know how freaking emulation properly works. My heart. My heart. It's okay. It's okay. You're doing your best. I, I didn't know. That's the mm-hmm. thing with emulation. I am not, ta- I mean, I'm tech savvy, but I'm not 100% tech savvy to understand how that works. Now, I also have a PlayStation Vita that is modded, that does mm-hmm. have a lot of good stuff on it. And I know to never touch the system update button on that thing. Yes. Especially since it has a bunch of PlayStation, has a bunch of different mods. But going back to the, like with my PS3, it was like, you know, jumbled and but thankfully i still have i'm still not upset about it because i have a working ps3 yeah. i have mega man i have a, a i have three great mega man games on yeah. there i have sonic adventure one and two and i have a slow playstation 3 collection growing mm-hmm. not all is lost this is a great time to collect for ps3 as well mm-hmm. and then i look over to my playstation vita that oh it has dreamcast stuff on there it has a bunch of stuff on there mm-hmm. but i need to play with the settings more because when mm-hmm. I first opened up Sonic Adventure 2 on my PS Vita, I mean, it started off fine. But once I started playing it, the audio was all jacked up. Yeah. The frame rate was all iffy. So you have to go in and overclock it. That's why I'm saying for for the not-so-legal emulation stuff, mm-hmm. you have to have some know-how or at least be ready to play around with it. Because Oh, yeah. I mean, I, was all, I, mean no, I mean, I've, I've had that experience, too, where I'm just clueless. I don't know what I'm doing yeah. with it. And, you know, of course, you could try to go to your friend Google, but sometimes Google doesn't really give you an answer. Or if they do give you an answer, it's a whole bunch of jargled mess. And you're like, yeah. I don't understand any of these terms mean. And then you think to yourself, like, why did I go get a radio degree? I should have gotten a computer science degree instead. Mm-hmm. That's actually what I did. Got a degree and I got a degree in radio from Cal State Northridge. I think that is fantastic. At least you did something you wanted to do. Very true. And it's serving you well. You're very good at uh, being a podcast host. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Of course, so, I'm thoroughly enjoying my time. Yay. But yeah, so with emulation, I like I do try to I do think that even like the the hoist the colors yo ho yo ho emulation is needed because that way people can play games. Because mm-hmm. I do understand that we do need to preserve games. We do need to preserve all of this media because it is art, be it the good and bad. It is art, it tells a story. Yeah. And of course, um, a friend of mine who got into game design said, I need to play all these games to, to know how, what works and what doesn't. Cause you know, mm-hmm. they also design games, but at the same time, like looking at the, the video game history foundation, I do agree with the work they're doing, but I understand mm-hmm. the big hurdle they have to go through. Whereas like we can preserve the game, but we can't let people play it because yeah. reasons. Mm-hmm. It's just like how emulation is technically legal, but other stuff is not. And it's just yeah. one of those, uh, yeah, it's one of those things that makes me that makes my brain hurt and just look at our entire criminal yeah. justice system in a, as a whole. Like, why? It's definitely a weird place to be in as a consumer and like trying to navigate things morally, but also being like the way people are handling this is so stupid, and I don't want to feed into their stupidity. I want to just yeah. have access to this game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So with lunar with lunar silver star story, 
I will look at my Vita and be because at the same time, that's what I was gonna I say. Get it on your Vita and play on your Vita. You won't regret it. That's a fine well, way to play it. Yeah, like well, that's how I played Final, the original Final Fantasy, or I played mm-hmm. the P, the PlayStation Portable version through my Vita. That's modded. That was there. It's just like, hey, just click the download button. You're ready to go. Yeah. Ta da! And I'm like, this is an amazing game. I absolutely love this mm-hmm. game. And then I look at Final Fantasy for the original NES. While mm-hmm. I still love it, while I still appreciate it for what it started, I don't think I could play the original version now, even with the mm-hmm. on my NES Mini, just because of how many quality of life improvements there are on the newer version. And that is so major. Like, you know, it creates a whole new experience because there are games that like are just a little too old for me. I can't do it. Like the mechanics are just not for me. So I'm a huge, like I like remakes. Sometimes they get a little ridiculous, but I'm, that's why I'm excited about the Silent Hill 2 remake too, even though they're, I could talk about my issues with it for hours. Um, but because, you know, I'm not going to have to play Silent Hill 2 with tank controls. Like, praise the Lord. Like, I'm going to, there's going to be better mechanics. It's like the Resident Evil remakes. Like, mm-hmm. it's a completely different experience, minus the RE1 remake. But, like, I, I get to get my Resident Evil fix and I don't have to deal with tank controls. Yeah. Or, like, with me, because Resident Evil 4 was the first and so far, I mean, I played bits of Resident Evil 7, bits of Re- mm-hmm. Resident Evil 8 for spooky game stuff. But playing RE4, that was my introduction to playing Resident Evil because I didn't want to deal mm-hmm. with the tank contr- controls as a it's, kid. It's a great entry. And I that's one of my favorite games. I absolutely adore that game. I played through it quite a few times mm-hmm. and I still don't have the remake yet. But you'll you know, love it. Oh, that backlog is real. That I mean, mm-hmm. right now oh, I've been I playing. You, yeah. I mean, tears of the I mean, today was one of those days where like I want to get all my chores done, I want to get the stuff done, and then I could finally devote time mm-hmm. to Tears of the Kingdom because I know I'm over hundred hours into that thing. Nice. And then Final Fantasy 16 is just like, I don't have it yet, but it's like out there. Yeah. I'm there. Jedi, you need to play me. Yeah. And then Jedi Survivor is in my PS5 right now. Just like, just like and Jedi Survivor and Sonic Frontiers. They're both like tapping their foot impatiently. Like, uh-uh. like we're here. Come on, let's play. Yeah. yeah. I uh, feel but yeah. that. But going back to one of the reasons why I think emulation is so important, especially because we were talking about how we're trying to game collect and play games on a budget emulators are one of the best ways to do that so we mm-hmm. can finally experience these games and not spend hundreds or sometimes even thousands of dollars on yeah. those games i think that's so real i mean again accessibility is the biggest thing for me so giving people an opportunity to play these games and to have a curiosity and a sense of wonder about the world that, again, maybe their finances don't match up with, which for a lot of us is a reality because of how crazy things have been. Um, you know, I would rather people have those experiences because there's so much to be discovered in video games. There's so much art. There's so much beauty. There's so much emotion. Um, and, you know, to me, maybe this is dramatic and someone might scoff at this, but it, it's like keeping a book from someone, mm-hmm. you know, like it's just crazy to me. So, um I don't know. Maybe someday libraries will do a game rental thing again. But um, I would for now, emulation is so. great. I mean, I would hope so. But at the exact same time, I do get as to why. Um, quick little, once again, side story. Mm-hmm. When I went to um, Portland for the gaming expo, the last blockbuster, like the last standing blockbuster in the oh, entire world. Oh, yeah. It's in world, Bend, Oregon, right? Yeah. They had a little pop-up shop at this at the convention center. 
So they brought it, like they essentially they had their own little area because they were hosting a Blockbuster Video Game World Championship. But they wow. also had, yeah, they also had a little spot where you can buy merch. It looks exactly like there, a bunch of photos are on my Instagram. Go ahead and check it out. I it's, will check that out. Absolutely. It is, it is awesome. But uh, one of my friends was actually talking to the manager of the store and asked mm. them, do you guys still rent video games? Because I cannot tell you what how many times I would go to my local Blockbuster, rent a game, love it so much, a few weeks later, see it in the game, see in the games for sale aisle at dis at a super discounted price. And it was a sealed copy too. And I was like, I love playing this game. Yoink yeah. and take yeah. it home. The well, that's the best way it, to experience a game. It is. But the reason why they don't do the rental system anymore is because people kept stealing the video games. Yeah. And I mean, it, I, I would I would love to do a rental system. We sell VHS and DVD as well. And one of my biggest dreams is to have a video and video game rental store. But it's just not feasible right now at all. Um, there would have to be like a very big respect from a local community oh, in order yeah. for that to work. Yeah, or at least just be like, hey, if you rent the game, cool. But if you, we don't get it back in X amount of days, we're just going to assume you kept it. We're going to charge you full market value for that yeah. game. So the yeah. person who decided to rent Chrono Trigger better be ready to pony up 500 bucks. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that's more than fair. Yeah, especially for that game. I mean, if it was a sports game, then OK, sure, just pay a dollar. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Like whatever. Oh, well, it's like Madden, yeah. whatever. We're on. Uh -huh. Who cares? Oh, no. Madden 20. Uh, 2008 has gone missing oh no what the horror. do we do oh no the horror <laughs> uh, you, day a retro game it. store runs out of sports games will be the end of times I, I think a day a retro game store runs out of sports games it's either because someone is doing a youtube bit or it's a very cold day in hell i could go either way i think those are very similar <laughs> options I mean, one of my favorite YouTubers, Scott the Waz, he bought mm -hmm. like every rendition of like Madden. Maybe it was Madden 08. It was <laughs> it was one of the Mad it was a Madden game, and he has it for like every system that ever came out on. And that was wow. just, like that's but I don't know if he's ever played it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm a big sports fan. Yeah. And, but here's the best part. I'm a big sports fan. The only sports video games that I truly like are like backyard baseball, backyard football, oh, backyard, NFL those blitz. Those are so good. I, yeah. I absolutely love just the fact now I'm a huge LA Dodgers fan. I mean, I grew up in mm -hmm. California. Of course I am. Yeah. But when I first got my uh, copy of backyard baseball, like 2002, and that was like the first one where they introduced MLB players as kids. Mm -hmm. It felt so awesome to have Barry Bonds, the famous San Francisco giant in a Dodgers uniform, mm -hmm. just be like, screw you giants. Fan. <laughs> so it's funny. I'm not a big sports fan person but my family's from new york so we're giants and yankee fans so there you go <laughs> as long as you get you guys will probably hate me if you're rangers fans um 2014 los angeles not Kings rangers no. you don't have I, to worry about that okay okay so islanders fans then i don't even know my dad's just straight across just new york uh the yankees okay. and the giants for sports he grew up in queens i think that's okay. all he has the emotional bandwidth for at this point yeah well, last time I checked, the Yankees were actually doing pretty good. I mean, Dodgers are not that bad. Yeah. I mean, of course, we've been better, but no. Well. Yeah, I, I love – I'm weird. I, I'm a huge comic book nerd. I love video games, but also I, I love the sports. I love the sports ball. Makes me I'm a I'm a big proponent of, like, you should love as much stuff as you want. Like, you shouldn't just, like, be into a box. Like, if you're a nerd, you can only like nerd things. It's yeah. like the more love there is to go around, the more passion there is, the better off we are. Thank you. Thank you for that. 
But yeah, uh, Eli, I think that's all the questions I have. This truly I think has we been... could talk for forever. <laughs> oh, we could. We definitely could. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, open invite. If you ever want to come back on, please let me know. I would love to. I would be honored. I can yell about so many things. It's, oh, man, so can I. But Eli, where can people find you on the internet? I am just about everywhere. Um, you can find me under Norman Bates Jr. I'm on Twitch. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook, surprisingly. <laughs> I'm on YouTube. I'm on Discord. I'm literally everywhere. TikTok. I make a lot of TikToks. Um, I make unique content across all platforms. Um, I make retro gaming content. I also make a lot of Silent Hill and horror game content. Um, I film some days at the store. I've also done repair work. So there's a lot of interesting content out there. You can find me there. I love talking to people, so don't be afraid to shoot me a message. Um, and I just want to say thank you so much for having me here. This has been such an absolute honor. I've had the best time ever. Yeah, can't confirm that they do like talking to people because I just <laughs> one day I was like, I cannot tell you how many times I have so many guests on this show just because I found them on Twitter, Instagram, or wherever. Mm-hmm. And I just thought to myself and said, F it. I'm just, I mean, if they answer, cool. If they don't, yeah. no worries. No harm, no foul. I completely mm-hmm. understand. And I've even gotten some messages back. It's like, hey, I would love to, but reasons at the moment and it's like that is totally fine so yeah i think once again uh eli thank you again so much for coming on and i'm just upset that i haven't watched your stream because every time you stream i'm at work you're fine it happens i always say real life comes before stream um i'm gracing you with my presence now so that's (laughs) good enough right (laughs) how many times have we rescheduled this and i'm not i know Thank That's God. not a dig on you. That is not a dig on you. It's like I'm just ping pong. A- it's like, oh, let's do this week. Okay, actually, I can't do this because of reasons. Okay, let's do this week. Actually, I can't do it because of reasons. And I was like really nervous. I was like watching the clock change. And I was like, I feel like one of us is going to say something came up. But we made it and we're nope, here. We did. I mean, I because when this the third time we had to reschedule, I felt bad because my brother came over and I it was around his birthday. I really needed to see him. So again, like, real life comes yeah, first. Yeah, like even I'm last, uh, always important. Yeah, even last weekend. Last weekend was a big weekend for me because I had a t- double day of recording for my Dungeons and Dragons podcast. It was our huge. Nice. It was a huge thing, but yeah. So it worked. You're here. Hallelujah. We got this. I love to have you back. Um, I this has tr- back. this has been a great conversation. Once again, if you mm-hmm. ever come to Southern California, just hit me up. I'll take you to Frankenstein's. We'll probably yeah. make, we will make some content there. And of I course, and of course, you could follow me at Ben Maga27, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and now on threads as of this recording. I just, just jumped over the bandwagon. So I'm kind of there, but I'm too scared to use it. But everybody, I, please check out Ben. He's been the coolest host ever. Oh, you, you, thank you so much. That warms my heart. And of course, besides following me on social media, you can find me Ryan for Fusion Gaming Magazine, Old School Gamer Magazine, GoNintendo.com, uh, co-hosting the Fickner Podcast with my fr- with my bros, Sparks, Ryan, and Brandon. You can find me playing Mary Frankenstein on Dean Dark. New episodes are coming out Wednesdays. And once again, Eli, it has truly been an amazing time. I am so thankful that you, we were able to talk. I'd love to have you on again. Maybe after I beat, you know, this gorgeous thing. Yes. Yeah, because actually, because th- I've had this game for a long time. I have not played it yet. And this is now my most expensive game in my collection. And I will nice. not sell it because I've never played it yet. 
you have to beat it. You have to play it. I do. And this is like, people keep telling me that this is like the best version of it too. And I'm, it and is. Fact, and the fact that I got the what with the poster, I didn't know there was I, that's a poster. So I don't think I actually did either. So I'm like amazed. I learned something new today too. Yeah. And then I was like, Hey, $75. And they're like, what? You spent how much? I was like, oh, yeah, I won an eBay bid. This is like the one time an eBay bid worked. And I'm just like, yay. But yeah, yay. everyone go follow Eli. They are awesome. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So until next time, unpause. <laughs>